Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Slizzy, coming to you with another State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode 114. Finally, I got my guy in the building, my favorite, everybody's favorite co-host, my guy, Mr. Mitchell from Down Under. How you doing, brother? Yeah, doing good, Brian. Doing good. Just looking, so, just looking forward to the uh, upcoming draft, obviously. <laughs> oh, oh man, it's it's been so so much talk about the draft. So many smoke screens. There's smoke screens everywhere. Feel like I'm watching a ninja movie. It's looking crazy. Golden State smoke screen. The Knicks smoke screens. It it's. It's crazy the news that come out at each day, but I mean, we we got a couple topics to talk about. So I, I guess we could get right into the news that came out today about the NBA as far as how much money they lost, and I guess we could also talk about the rumored seventy-two games next season, and it's rumored that we will have. Eight games versus division division opponents. So basically, we'll face the Raptors eight times. We'll face the Nets eight times. The Celtics eight times. The Rat, like, and, and, and you know, it, it's a lot to get into. But what's your overall take first about the shortening of the season? Also, I want to note that real quick that yeah. Bubble in Orlando recouped 1.5 billion in revenue that would have been lost without restarting the season. Expenses expenses for the bubble were 190 million, 10 million more than originally estimated. And it also is stated that by Zach Lowe, NBA revenues dropped 10% to 8.3 billion in 2019-2020, including 200 million deemed net negative impact on months long splits long withering China partnership. So, what, what what's your original thoughts, you know, when you first heard this news and how do you think it's going to affect the Knicks directly. Like, what what do you think is going to affect us the most? Trades, drafting, or just uh, roster construction moving forward? Yeah, um, obviously the the shortened season. Um, I mean, I was kind of expecting a little bit um, just because of the short turnaround uh, from this season, obviously, due to the pandemic. So I, I was kind of expecting something like this. Uh, from the NBA, um, so I, I think that's just going to affect everybody, I guess. Um, but I mean, now every every team knows. Obviously, everyone like ourselves can prepare for that. Um, but yeah, I think what's really going to affect us is is the draft and trades. Um, obviously, in the off season, I, I think that the majority of our roster come season start is going to look quite different. Um, that's the expectation. <laughs> that's the expectation I, I've got. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of noise uh, around around the Knicks. Uh, obviously, when it pertains not just to the draft, um, and and with several picks in this draft, both in the first round and the second round, uh, also linked to uh, several several trade candidates uh, that have been mm-hmm. talked about as well. 
So it'll be quite interesting, the outlook of and what the team will look like come game one uh, next season. I, I really think it's going to look completely different, um, barring a few young guys. So when you say barring those few young guys, I want you to be very honest, bro. <laughs> I want you to be extremely honest when I ask you this. Who you think going to get traded? Um, anybody not named RJ Barrett. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's just my personal opinion. I, I, I've, and as much as I hate to include him, Mitch is included in that. I, I think everybody's up for grabs outside RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett's the only untouchable. He's the only untouchable that really, you know, sort of definitively talked about uh, that he will not be brought up in any trade scenario at all. Uh, but uh, yeah, as far as as far as all the noise and and news and. Um, just listening to different podcasts, obviously, and that. Um, yeah, everybody's basically up for grabs uh, except for RJ Barrett. So, news came. So, let's let's stay on the trades topic real quick, right? So, news come out today that the Knicks is willing to take on bad contracts. Wow, we're finally becoming competent. <laughs> finally. And this is something that I think me and you talked about last offseason, acquiring picks for bad contracts, right? So I got a list right here for you, brother. And this list right here basically is a bunch of bad contracts or salaries that I believe that the that teams will be willing to trade. You got um, Ilya Sova, one year, seven million. Kelly Onderlin, one year, 12 million. Patrick Beverly, two years, 27 million. James Johnson, one year, 16 million. Gary Harris, two years of basically 40 million. Blake Griffin, two years, 75 million. Torian Prince, two years, 30 million. Danny Green, one year, 15 million. Terry Rozier, two years, 36 million. You got Cody Zeller. You got Patty Mills and Rudy Gay. You have Dolan Wright for two years, 17 million. Ricky Rubio for two years, 30, 35 million, basically. Kelly Oubre, Corey Joseph, Jeremy Grant, Dwayne Dedman. So it's a bunch of bad contracts around the league, not to mention Al Horford and Tobias Harris. So off. Off of that list, do you see any candidates that you would say, you know what, I want the Knicks to go after this guy? Another name, too, I didn't mention, Nicholas Batum. So, just off the top of your head, who are some of, your, some of the guys you think the Knicks should target in these salary dump trades? Or Off the top of my head, for me personally, I got Nicholas Batum. I got James Johnson, and I, I, I think I'll go Gary Harris, but it's a wait and see. Do you have any? Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, I agree with you with the Gary Harris talk. There's a lot of talk around Gary Harris at the moment. Um, and because of his age, yeah, that would be you know, a good, bad contract, I guess you could say. To, to take on, um, he, he might just be looking for a uh, greener pastures. Um, I've actually 
or anybody that's watched Denver when he has been healthy, um, he, he's actually quite consistent in his play. So um, that that would probably be the only name really I'd go. Yeah, yeah, go for that that contract if it's if he's available. Um, the, the only other name, and we know, I don't know if you mentioned him then, um, but he's been mentioned several times in trades, and that is is a Bradley Beal is to take on that contract. Again, um, he could come in and help the young guys. I'm just looking at someone that, that probably needs a fresh start, but we know what they can do. Buddy um, I, I remember but, you said a Buddy Hill. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, Buddy Buddy Hill is another one because um, the, the Kings, I, I've kept an eye on them and an ear out on them news-wise, and they've, they've kind of flip-flopped over who they want to get rid of and who they want to keep it between him and Bogdan. And, and the latest thing is they want to get rid of Heald and keep Bogdan. So, um, yeah, if, if Buddy Heald came up, heck, if, if they change their mind again and, and Bogdanovich come up, I mean, that, that'd that be another guy, another contract I'd look to take on as well. See, um, see real quick, right? As far as Buddy Heald is concerned, my only beef with him, I know he's a great shooter. I know he's on a value contract. He he deserves that money. Yes. I don't like the bitching. I, I, I don't like the pouting about your minutes. I don't really care about where you play. But then again, I could kind of give him leeway because DeMarcus Cousins also played there and he also acted out in order to get himself traded. So him not returning Luke Walton's calls, I'm a little mad at it, um, but I'm a letter. The only other... The only other contract I, I suppose I could look at, and it's another name that's that's been on the trade more trade rumors for quite a while, is is Kevin Love of the Cavs are ready to move on from him now. Out of a lot of the big men that I've heard from Kevin Love to Andre Drummond to uh, Blake Griffin, you know, names. So Kevin Love, uh, fully healthy, is is the best top proposition out of any of the big men I've heard being talked about. Ooh. Um, Ooh. He, he, you got to elaborate on that, brother. <laughs> yeah, and and that's simply because mm-hmm. I think he's more dangerous offensively than any of the other big men. Um, mm-hmm. He's got more to his game. He's got more to his game than than both, um, in my opinion, both Drummond and and Griffin. Um, especially because Griffin really hasn't been Blake Griffin, you know, of the old for quite a while. Um, those hamstrings of his and leg injuries seem to hamper him a lot. Um, but yeah, I love Kevin Ke- Kevin Love from an offensive perspective, um, shooting from behind the three, mm-hmm. um, and and I thought I think when he's healthy over the last couple of years, he's actually you know I'm never going to ever put him in a, in a, even in a top twenty five defensive big big men, but I will say his defense has gotten slightly better than I've I've ever seen it you know in, in the past um, you know so. You know, as I said, he's never going to be a defensive force, but mm-hmm. it was just good to see that side improve because he's always been known for his offense. Um, but yeah, I just think he'd add more. He'd stretch the floor. He'd be a good role model to, to any sort of um, young big that we we end up drafting, possibly. Um, you know, especially in today's game, like me and you always talk about, we want our bigs to be able to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the finals teams, a lot of the playoff teams, um, they had bigs, they had a big in there somewhere they could shoot. So uh, that that's the reason why I would I would look at K-Love. 
Um, so, so, and again, so I'm saying- just a question. Can you clarify the Kevin Love trade? Can you can can you frame a trade real quick? When, as you're talking, I'm thinking of a trade: Kevin Love and Darius Garland in the fifth pick for Randall, um, Randall Kevin Knox, the eighth pick. Uh, and I give you I, I give you the Mavericks 2023 pick. I I think that's fair. I'd have to tend to agree with that. Um, Obviously, Julius would have to be thrown in there um, to match up with the money in that. Um, Yeah, uh, obviously, Darius Garland would be a good one. I mean, God, if they they wanted to throw Sexton in instead of Garland, I'd be fucking... I'd I'd be even more more happy. That's another team. Another team with another two guys that I've seen flip-flop. Like, one minute they're... There's talk that they want to get rid of Garland but keep Sexton, and now now there's more talk that they want to keep Garland and get rid of Sexton because they don't like the backcourt. So it's it'd be interesting which out of those two little guards that they actually would include in a trade. Um, I prefer Sexton over Garland uh, just because, just because of his energy, his grit, uh, he plays with his heart on his sleeve. Oh, I just love that about. I just think he would naturally fit into New York. Um, his attitude just he's he's poor. He just yeah, he he came. He's come along leaps and bounds since he's come in the league. And yeah, I, I just love everything about him. Um, obviously, I, I'd love to see his um his his, his shooting percentage get higher. Um, and that's always a possibility. I know he's been working on it, and it really looked better last season uh, or two. Uh, so I love the way he drives to the hoop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he just he. he Runs the four when he gets going, um, and I, I personally, as I said, I prefer him over Garland because I thought he outshined Garland. Uh, but yeah, if, if it was say him and K Love, and, and then yeah, do the rest of the deal, I, that'd be sweet, you know, and and swap the pick. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, Colin Sexton and Kevin Love integrated with, you know, um, RJ Barrett, and and obviously in that trade you didn't get rid of Mitch, so. Uh, maybe Kevin Love could help Mitch's offensive game. Uh, that that's who I'd be. I'd want someone like Kevin Love. To, if we were going to keep Mitch and he didn't get traded out, I'd want someone like a Kevin Love to come in and 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 really bring out Mitch's offensive game. Um, because he, he being a teammate with say say a, someone like Kevin Love, and then when he does train with AD, training with AD, there's two big men that he could learn a thing or two from. When it comes to the offensive side of the ball, Cree. Uh, both, both, yeah, both of them have have good mid range and both can shoot behind the three. You know, so that's that's what we kind of need out to see out of Mitch now. So I, I'd love to see, um, you know, the Knicks land someone like a Kevin Love if, if, that, if that's at all possible. So just for the record, I want to say on this podcast that no, we do not hate Julius Randle. We do not want. We don't want to send him in every trade. We don't want to trade him for a box of cookies. That's I, I don't want to promote that. Randall is a bad player. I I I, I just I can't sit here and say and, and, and sweep nineteen and nine under the rug. That's what I'm not going to do. And I mean, there's a, there's some noise that I've heard, and I, I just don't know what a trade would look like. But I have heard noise that the Phoenix Suns have had a bit of interest in Julius Randle. So, as far as the Phoenix Suns is concerned, right, here's my here's my 
uh, I'm gonna be objective about it because I've also read reports that Phoenix want to do a salary dump. So I don't know if they'll be interested in a guy like Julius Randle because they're trying to do a salary dump. But if you do the numbers, and let's say if the Knicks, I I don't. If you do the numbers and you say, give us Kelly Oubre, give us the 10th pick, we'll give you the 8th pick. We'll probably have to give up Knox, or we'll probably have to give up Randall. If we do give up Randall, just, you know, just to say that, um, we'll, save, we'll be saving them about $5 million. If we give up just Knox and just absorb the salary, We'll be saving them a whole lot more money, but I don't know if if the Suns really want to take back cap space. That's 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 my only argument uh, for that. Um, I, I, damn, I would love for the for the Knicks to to trade with the Phoenix Suns, man, or 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 we could trade with the Timberwolves. Try to see if we can get James Johnson and their pick, right? So. I got new news, right? So, also today, it's crazy how today has just so much new news. It says, teams have until 2 p.m. Eastern time on draft day to swap picks. This is very interesting, bro. Because this basically says teams have been talking for about a month now. So, I, I... I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I expect fireworks. And knowing that the cap is going to decrease, a lot of teams should be willing to give up their contracts. But I want to take back assets. I don't want to just, you know, we trade and then we do another dumb trade. And it's going to be the same type of trade for the last 20 fucking years. Jerome James, like Stephon Marbury, your trade for Steve Francis. It's just certain things that I'm going to get annoyed with. I'm going to throw this at you, bro. We play eight division games, right? We play against – can we say our division is the tough, toughest division in basketball? Can, you, can we say that right now? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. One of the toughest for sure. So, we play in a division with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie, Kemba, Kevin Durant, Pascal Siakam, uh, Kyle Lowry. We, we, we play in a tough division. Eight games per team. Last year, we was 2-11 against our division. Bro. How can I frame this question? Let's be honest. We're not going to win a lot of games next season. I want to know what you think the Knicks should do as far as... If this really come out true, what do you think the Knicks, the first move they should do? If, If this is actually true that we have to play eight games per division opponent. Hmm. <laughs> it, it'll be in, it's going to be interesting because see that being in the being in the toughest division that as I said or one of the toughest of it, definitely the toughest division in the East that's for sure. Um, 
we're going to need to have some toughness. Oh, that that that's for starters. That that's what I'm looking for. Some some more toughness and some shooting, <coughs> just to be able to keep up and compete. Um, otherwise, we're just going to get run over. Uh, you know, we we. Uh, healthy, healthy, we know what Kyrie and KD are going to be doing with the Nets. If, if they're running healthy, you know, they're going to be destroying people. Um, you know, Toronto, <laughs> a tough team again. And if they keep majority of the same squad without losing too many, especially losing Van Fleet and stuff like that, and they remain intact, again, that's going to be another hard beat. Uh, Boston with their youth, uh, and I think they probably get something decent in return from this Hayward trade that I keep hearing about that they're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. They're just going to keep getting stronger. Uh, they're a very dangerous team. Um, I, I think Jason Tatum is, is on his way to being a top 10 player in the league. Uh, you know, so we need to we need to get better. In the front court for starters, that, that that's a big yes. That's a big yes. big. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. and I already know. I was thinking a couple of names, uh, you know, for a while now, and I've had to drop one of them out only because he's recently had an interview saying that he only want, really wants to go to contender, and that's um, Gallinari. Um, mm-hmm. if he, if he didn't make that statement, I would have been in on him all day, every day, because. I just love his play. Um, but I'll be looking at guys, you know, as I said, I, I've already talked about a couple of guys for trade, but if you go on free agency in the front court, I'll be looking at guys like Serge Barker, um, you know, guys that, that defend but can also stretch the floor, can shoot. Um, you, you want someone that's going to pair well with Mitch. And, and because Mitch, uh, well, so far in game, can't shoot, and hasn't shot, um, so we need a, a big man that can shoot uh, to counteract that. So, Serge Barker would be a good, a good bring in, but we'd need to get rid of Julius Randle, I think, in the process <laughs> to bring someone like him in. Because I don't, I don't, I, don't, I would want Julius Randle as a backup swing, personally. Um, I'm just so over Randle. Uh, I think, I think in, uh, you know what? I, I think even he, he, he'd probably like to walk back his career back to the Pelicans, just stay at the Pelicans. Because the Pelicans at least knew how to use him appropriately and he was having a good time over there with Drew Holiday. So, <laughs> but there's no point in him going there because, you know, he's not going to take over Zion's spot. So, yeah, he has to go somewhere where they're going to utilise him a lot better that say got a center that can that can shoot. So for for example for example he works he'd he'd work somewhere well like Denver because of Jock uh yeah the Joker. Uh because the Joker can stretch a floor, he can shoot and that so he'd be a perfect four there and play, you know, the old school four game that, that we're used to with Julius Randle because he's got shooters around him and everything. So That'd just be that'd be a perfect spot for him is in Denver or, or a team very similar like that. Um, so it, it'd be interesting. But as I said, I've said it the whole time. I think Julius Randall's out the door. I think he'll be included definitely <laughs> in the trade. Um, yeah, his, his team t- time in New York is 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 over. 
It's just a matter of <laughs> your venom for for Julian Randall is oh man, I can't lie. You you know why I'm I, I I'm not really trying to destroy Randall right now because my Twitter thread they get on me. I say the same things. Get this guy off my roster. I hate Tasmanian Devil. He spin moves into four people. I I, I feel your pain, bro. And and I personally, I I personally, I personally think he, he will do better in a place where there's not so much bright lights. Like he, he wasn't doing a hell of good in LA. He didn't do he didn't do, he did terribly here, but he did all right in a place like New Orleans. So. You know, I, I think a, a smaller environment, quieter environment is where, like, you know, Denver would be good for him or Portland or, you know, a, a, anywhere like that, Utah Jazz or somewhere like that where hopefully they would utilise him just as, a, you know, a, an old school four. They'd pair with a, a shooting big and, you know, off he'd go and he wouldn't have the pressure of a big city light. So that's just... So, it, can I throw something at you, man? Can, can is it time to revisit something that me and you spoke about pods ago? Can 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 we revisit the Demarcus Cousins talk, please? Because <laughs> when you you said toughness, you said you want toughness, you said you want somebody dynamic in the front court with Mitch, right? I'm hearing things about the Chris Paul trade. We don't need to. We don't need to speak about that, right? Because we already spoke about Chris Paul a bunch of times. But if you're trying, if you could get a guy like Chris Paul and you keep all the young boys, why not bring in Demarcus Cousins? I, 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 I'm just saying. And if you if you're gonna bring in Demarcus Cousins, you don't gotta pay him too much, right? He only gonna cost about. Eight million to ten million, probably cheaper than that to come play with Chris Paul. He's not going to garner a lot of minutes because he's going to be coming off an injury. So you bring him on slow, and 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 I feel like he'll be dynamic with Chris Paul. That that that's just me. I, in this scenario, I'm only bringing cousins if we get Chris Paul. Well, this is. This is this is my opinion. Just out of news and noise, I'm here. I have a feeling, and it's a really, really funny feeling. But I have a feeling there's going to be free free vets that end up on this roster by next year or next season, and that's Chris Paul. I think Demarcus Cousins. You're right. Will get a year prove it deal, and Carmelo Anthony is going to come back. <laughs> Carmelo, Carmelo, mate. Hey, the man wants to be in New York. Um, that's where that, that's where his kid is. Um, he want he loves New York, and and I personally think that if the Knicks get Chris Paul, he's coming back to the Knicks. That that that's what'll get him over the line. He won't even look at Portland. A, uh, he won't even look at Portland a second. He'll, he'll go straight to the Knicks so he can he can um, join Chris Paul. And I and I think if we get if if that happens and we get Portland Carmelo, whew, <laughs> it's on, it's on, man, it's on because I love I love Portland Carmelo, which is basically Olympic mellow, where he shut everyone up and he played defense and he played really good defense, mind you. Um, but he was 
he was he was on fire. He was he looked the fittest. I'd seen him looking quite a long time. I remember mm-hmm. early in his for a long time in his career, he was always getting a bit of hate in the minute. Oh, he he doesn't look like a barzer. He's a bit pudgy and all that. Uh, the man's ripped. He's ripped to the shit out. He's the healthiest and fittest I've seen him in, in years. Um, he, he's a new mellow man. And that that Portland rejuvenated him, and and I think um, give a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Man, it, it you know what's crazy about this scenario that you just said? It, it, it's crazy because I've seen it already on Twitter. I've seen it on Twitter. I was already thinking about it. See, the reason why we had that conversation a couple weeks ago, right? A couple pods ago, because you said Serge Ibaka, I said Chris, um, I said Demarcus Cousins, right? So after that pod, I was just thinking, like, I really think that it, because look at the market, look at the market right now of all the bigs that that's on the market. When you look at the market, who's the most talented big on offense? And who can bring a different dynamic on the offensive side of the ball? That's DeMarcus Cousins. And then you just threw the caveat out there. If Car- if Chris Paul comes, you know Carmelo Anthony is on his way back. So now you got Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, DeMarcus Cousins, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, my lord, please. I hope they I, – I, I know they're not going to trade both Frank and Nas in that Chris Paul trade. But what I'm hoping for is that they keep both Frank and Knox because I want Chris Paul to make those guys better. So, in a, in a hypothetical, Carmelo Anthony, DeMarcus Cousins, Chris Paul, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson – Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, this this draft pick, whoever this draft pick is. And I guess we still have Taj Gibson. I guess we keep Reggie Bullock. I'm 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 confident. I'm co- it, my only beef, right? I'm gonna be objective about what you said. And and I want you to I, I, I want you to really tackle this. The only beef I got with that is, will DeMarcus Cousins steal minutes from Mitch? Will if it will Carmelo Anthony be a distraction if he doesn't get enough touches? How strong is Chris Paul leadership to lead this type of group? And how willing is Cousins? and Carmelo Anthony willing to teach? Like, are they willing to teach like a Taj Gibson, like a Reggie Bullock? Because I've read articles about Reggie Bullock being R.J. Barrett's uh, OG. So, I, I have no beef with Reggie Bullock. And also, remember Chris Paul last year had wore a Reggie Bullock jersey. So, it, that's a lot to get into. But just to be objective, can you, can, can you just, you know, Quella fans on, you know, why you think it would be a good idea after those things I just said, especially about shot attempts, because we know about last season, right, when it came to R.J. Barrett with Mook Morris, with Julius Randle, with Alfred Payton. We know what happened last season. 
So just what do you say to that? Um, I don't think he would. Um, now, I've got, I have played out a couple of scenarios in my head. You could play him with Mitch on the court at the same time. Therefore, he's not taking anything away from Mitch. Um, the games the games would work perfectly together, as I said, because DeMarcus can shoot. He's got mid-range. He can shoot from the three-pointer. We know we know Mitch can do it in training. He just hasn't done it in a game. So until he does it in a game, that's where I said that their games would sort of um, go really well together. Uh, I think CP3's leadership, he'd rein in everybody and anybody that got out of line. That's just Chris Paul. He's always been that way. He's got a strong voice. He's got a strong locker room leadership. Um, I've always respected and appreciated that about Chris Paul. Um, and uh, and I also think Carmelo would bring that in too. Uh, as I said, it's a different Carmelo Anthony that then that was here last time. Uh, I think he he got humbled in his time away, and then I also think he learned a lot off of um, Damian Lillard in his uh, time in Portland. And I think Dame time kind of rubbed off on him a bit and as well as Dame's leadership qualities as, and maturity. Um, so I think you would be getting a much more mature, uh, you know, level-headed Carmelo. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said, him and Chris Paul, uh, just this, them two, that's who I'd be looking at to be the locker room leaders and the voices of the locker room. And, um, yeah. What, I, I, what, real quick, real quick. What about RJ Barrett? See, now, 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 see, I want RJ Barrett to have some type of voice in that locker room. Yeah, I think he'll be included. Like this, my my personal opinion would be is Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, he'd be a vet presence, but I wouldn't be looking to add him to a leadership group. Um, that that just wouldn't be on. Um, I I'd be making it like as I said, if if you got Bruin, CP3, and Carmelo, that'd be the two two top blokes. Um, RJ, I'd include in the leadership group. And it also, I'd also, if we're keeping Mitch, I'd even give him a voice, uh, just from a, a younger big man perspective. Um, you you and... know what else I would do? Specifically, if we keep Mitch and Frank Nilakina, I would, yeah. I would name those two the defensive captains. I would, I yeah. would specifically yeah. say. And, hey, and, uh, right. I think Demarcus, either way, starting or, or coming off the bench, I think he would just accept his role. I think he's he's learned that God since he he went to Golden State. Even he's just kind of ex- accepted, you know, um, because he had those double injuries one you know one after the next. He um, he sort of fell fell off the grid. I kind of I kind of say as a, as a star player even though he's, you know, at full health, he is a star player. But he kind of fell off the grid and, um, you know, he, he wasn't included in that. And then, you know, on his comeback and because of his minute restriction and that, he was kind of viewed more as a bench player, um, you know, and, and and that's how I view him still. Uh, but if he proved it uh, in, in a prove-it year and stayed healthy and, and all that, maybe he could make his way back to being a starter or he could win the starting role. But I'd I'd be strictly telling him when he came in, you know, this this is the role we're looking at you for. But if you you know you prove yourself and you win the actual start to get on the starting role, then that's fine. Because I'd be my my scenario is, is you, as I said, you bring the three guys in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Demarcus coming off the bench, and because mm-hmm. he can play the four or five. You know, depending on the situation, you'd bring him in at the four or five. Whereas I'd have CP obviously starting. Um, obviously, and then I'd start Camelo 
at, at the four mm-hmm. um, and have RJ at three. So, so um, who's your two? Or, or, who's your two? Well, that, that's why I'd be inclined to think that they might um, they might go for another guard but not a point guard in the draft somewhere and that and they possibly would would maybe look for another another vet but cheap vet to bring in maybe to to come in and play the two or even the three depending on where they're going to slot RJ because a lot of people and we've discussed this before a lot of people view him as a two and a lot of people view him as a three um, I don't even know. You know what I'd love to hear? I'd love to hear from the from the kid himself, where he views himself, what position he feels more comfortable in playing. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling he might he might turn around and shock everyone and go, "Well, it's neither the two or the three. I'd prefer to play the one." <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, I'd just love to. I reckon they should ask him. Look, where where do you feel comfortable out of the two and the three? Where would where would you prefer to be guarding? Where would you prefer to be playing? Just with his game at the moment, until his shot comes around, that's another reason I keep putting him at the at the three because he goes to the hoop a lot more. Um, and, and there's still a lot of old school small forwards that do that. Obviously, still in the league, so. Um, but I mean, if that shot starts coming around, you, you, you could again, depending on the matchup, you could always slot him in between a two and a th- the two and the three. So, and and swap other people around in between um, wherever position he's playing. So, it, yeah, it's intriguing because I you got to see who we get in the draft and if they're NBA ready or uh, you know where they're going to fit. And um, there's still a couple of guys. I mean, uh, another guy who who. You know, he's another one that that can fill about two, maybe even three positions. Is is Iggy, and after his <laughs> his season in the G, I'd, I'd be expecting love. him. Yeah, I'd be expecting Iggy to to get a spot on the on the top roster. Um, he had he had really stellar play, just from from both ends of the floor. Um, you know, he'd defend his ass off. He had a good motor. Um, he was just destroying on the offensive end. Um, you know, I watched a few, caught a few games on YouTube of his from, from him at Westchester, and oh, it, just his shot, he was just nailing it. You know, um, so I, I really expect him to push for a a permanent spot on the top roster. Uh, as for someone like a Kenny Wooten, again, might be another season of of sort of going in between, you know, Westchester and New York, um, as far as I can see at the moment for him. Um, the only way, way I could sort of see him cementing a top spot is if if we don't get the type of sort of bigs that we're looking for in free agency or a trade doesn't work out, obviously, and, and we need the extra big body up there, then, um, you know, he, he'd be brought up to fill in for a time. So, but yeah, as, as I said, Iggy is definitely going to be up there. If you brought Iggy up, and because he's just a slightly bigger body than RJ, then, then you would play RJ at the two, and then have Iggy at the three. So you know, so I- Iggy, <laughs> Iggy's a, you know, it's Iggy. Iggy is Joe Ingles because yeah, man. While you while you spoke about him, I got a couple stats in front of me. You know, his first year in Michigan, right? In his first and only season at Michigan, Iggy scored one point. 1.19 points per spot of possession. Landed him in the 90, 92nd percentile amongst all players. That is very impressive. On top of this, he was also good for point 
93 points per possession in pick and rolls, 84th percentile. That is impressive. And he was also 89, 89th percentile as a cutter while only allowing 0.65 points per isolation possession on defense, 69th percentile. That's impressive. And also 42% of Iggy's shots came in the half court in finishing situations where he shot 1.255 points per shot around the basket in the 74th percentile of all players. His game is built for the modern NBA. All of his field goals attempted in college, only 11%, 36 of 407 field goal attempts of them came in the mid-range area. So, Iggy, it's funny because you brought him up on our draft episode. So, it, 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 it would be cool to see if Iggy could get a spot on this team because with a guy like Chris Paul and you got a guy like Frank Nilakina coming off the bench, I want some more spacing on the floor. And I think Iggy will come and compete. And this is I, I this is just a away. and this is just a hypothetical, but I mean, I, I could um, easily see like I was just talking about, like if, uh, an interesting starting five, just from a perspective. If you had CP three. At the one, RJ at the two, Iggy at the three, Carmelo at the four, and Mitch at the five, and then you bring in Demarcus Cousins off the bench with Frank Nittlekina, and, and a few others Ooh. who. Have, Ooh. I would love Frank Nittlekina with Cousins. I mean, keep going, keep going. My friend, yeah, my friend, yeah, my um, and obviously with with whoever else, I sort of can't mention names at the moment because we we don't know who's who's going and who's staying and, you know, who could be traded out and who we could uh, add via the draft and et cetera. But, uh, yeah, that starting five I just mentioned, as said, with Frank and, and DeMarcus coming off the bench, uh, that would be quite interesting. Um, there'd be a, put it this way, there'd be a lot of shooting in that starting five. Um, yes. 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 CP3 can shoot. Carmelo can shoot. Uh, Iggy can shoot. And then you'd have RJ doing his thing and Mitch doing his thing. So at least three out of the five starters can all shoot, which is perfect for, for Mitch and his game currently. Absolutely perfect to have three shooters around him. And and currently um, with RJ's game too, again, having three shooters around him is is perfect. Yep. That's what you want. Um, yep. Hell so yeah. And, and if, if anything, I, I think uh, those three guys – would would bring out uh, better shooting from RJ and giving him better opportunities to to take better shots, uh, and just to you know competing with another young dog in in Iggy and Iggy's shots further along at the moment, uh, you know that that's just going to push him because I know the drive in RJ. As I said, he he looks at someone and if they're, if they're doing something better than him, he he wants to be better than them. So he's got that drive, which is what I love about him, and that's another reason. I've said the whole time, if if there was, if you could only choose one, and there was only one untouchable currently on the Knicks roster, it's it's RJ Barrett. He he's he's the one shown the most talent and shown that he's got the highest ceiling out of any Nick on the roster currently. So um, you, you've got to get people that are going to help him and benefit his game and work well with his game and. As I said, um, having a veteran point guard like a CP3 is only going to be majorly beneficial. I'd also like it if we 
managed to say later in the in the draft if we can pick up say his old running mate at Duke Trey Jones and then Trey Jones can come off the bench as well and you could still keep Nittle you could even play with him with Nittle Keener and just move Frank mm-hmm. to the shooting guard shooting guard so, in a Tony Allen role so so let's segue right into it since you brought it up let's segue right into it because we 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 currently got um 10 prospects right so in these prospects, we wasn't going to include Isaac Okoro because we spoke about him. We wasn't going to include Devin Vassell because we spoke about him. We just didn't want to talk about the same thing. So we brought up 10 other prospects, you know, that we wanted to talk about and we wanted the Knicks to look at. So when you're looking at R.J. Barrett and you see the reports that he's the most important guy on the roster, you know, you got to look at prospects who probably a fit with R.J. Barrett. So... You know, you just brought up Trey Jones. So, um, talk about your man Trey Jones, man. What, what do you like about him? What about his fit on this current team do you like? And who would benefit from – like, what do you think Trey Jones would give us the most? Okay, well, he's got very good passing and intangibles straight off the bat. Um, as anybody's seen at Duke, as well as ball handling. Um, I, I definitely think he's NBA ready. Um, he's got very good leadership qualities, and RJ Barrett's even spoken about them. Uh, you, you, you even saw that at, at Duke. Um, so I, I think he's going to bring, bring leadership. I think he's going to bring a, a young point guard with, with great vision. He's already got the connection and the familiarity with RJ Barrett. Um, which I think is an absolute beautiful thing. That That's pretty much a foot in the door straight away um, because you know that they work well together. They played together before. Um, if anything, that, that could be a perfect, a, the perfect person to, to, to progress RJ's game and bring out the best of RJ because he, he knows RJ so well. Um, for, for, for his strengths... Um, you know, he's a floor general point guard, works to set up his teammates for open looks. He's a, he's a very great decision maker with, with uh, limp, and he has like limits his turnovers, doesn't he's not a turnover machine. He finds passing lanes, makes easy dump offs to big men, um, shows potential obviously with his three point shot. Um, it increased from 26.2% to 36.1% just in his sophomore campaign. Impressive. Um, can hit pull up, he can hit pull up. Jumpers off the dribble on the break as well as in the half-court set. Um, effective use of head fakes, help, which helps collapse defences, um, which we saw in quite a lot of games at Duke. He runs transition offence very well. Footwork's very solid at both ends of the court. Um, and defensively, he's one of the best at anticipating and jumping passing lanes, leading to easy transition buckets. He's very capable on the ball. Perimeter defender against quicker, shorter guards. Um, has a really good ability to stay in front of the ball handler from the baseline to baseline in press defense. Um, he's a very, very disciplined defender. Uh, doesn't reach or leave the ground on head fakes. Um, probably arguably the best defensive point guard in the whole class um, in this draft. He's shown a willingness to take the big shot down the stretch too and has been successful when doing so. Um, has a lot of competitiveness and inner strength. Wants to win at all costs, very low ego, and plays very unselfishly. Um, he only turned 20 in January and uh, showed good improvement from year one to two, uh, which shows promise in future progression. Um, 
I would love Trey Jones. I would, I would love Trey Jones. So, you know, you send me his stats and 16, 16.2 points per game, six assists per game, four rebounds per game with 1.8 steals, 42% field goal range, 36% from three, 77% from the free throw range, six three. You know, not flashy. And then, you know, ACC player of the year and defensive player of the year. Just like you said, go ahead. Yeah. Um, the other thing, just with his measurements, he's he's six two and a half in shoes, um, hundred and eighty five pounds. He's got a six four to six five wingspan, um, eight foot standing reach. In two thousand seventeen, he got measured for that. Um, obviously, we know we know he's the younger brother of Tyus Jones, um, but uh, uh, Trey's slightly bigger, more athletic than his older brother. Um, so that that's also a bonus too. Um, Ty, Tyus Jones is a very serviceable back backup, but I, I think Trey Jones is a lot better um, and and can offer a lot more, um, especially as I said when it pertains to RJ Barrett. Yeah, Trey. Jo- <laughs> it's funny how you speak about Trey Jones because Trey Jones he fits into the Fred Van Fleet mold, you know that, that mm. small bullish guard. You know, could play some defense because he played defense his freshman year. I noticed that. That was the first thing I noticed. But what I also and that, that's a lot of a lot of comparisons uh, I've, I've heard with Trey Jones is exactly who who you just mentioned with Fred Van Fleet. Uh, very similar builds, very similar games. Um, and I, I love those type of little gritty point guards. You know. Yeah, yeah. I would I wouldn't mind Trey Jones with the thirty eighth pick. Um, I think with the 27th pick, I think the Knicks will look another way. But I definitely wouldn't mind Trey Jones. That He would be a, a good pickup. Thibodeau already coached his brother in Minnesota. So, you know, there's a little connection. He goes, call his brothers, ask how Coach Tibbs is. Well, Coach probably isn't the same guy, hopefully. Um, but we do know that Trey Jones, he would be a good pickup, though. I, I wouldn't mind Trey Jones. So, the next prospect, you know, that's on the list, and, and, and I will say this. I really like this prospect. Um, I heard a podcast earlier. I'm pretty sure if you heard it, you know, my guy, uh, Jonathan Macri, had interviewed Desmond Bain. And it, it was a great interview. Desmond Bean spoke. He spoke about following, you know, Joe Harris, patterning his game around his. I hope he don't pattern his game around. Well, coming around screens because, you know, Joe Harris is – I think he was the NBA league leader and uh, feet traveled on the floor. For, it, it, it was something crazy. But patterning your game around Joe Harris, I understand, you know, coming around three-point – coming around screens, hitting the three-point shot. Uh, so what you got on Desmond Bain? On Desmond Bain, uh, yeah, another interesting prospect uh, that that I've been looking at, um, and and slowly had worked his way uh, up into the talk of, of going into the first round as well, um, and or, or even early early second round. Um, yeah, I've heard comparisons again that. He's got a very similar game to Joe Harris. Um, 
which from a, a three-point perspective is is very good. Uh, I love Joe Harris, uh, the way he can just go about shooting threes endlessly. Um, however, there is quite a few holes in his game. Um, defensively, you know, he'd be a liability. Um, yeah, defensively, he'd be a liability. Uh, but have you could you get guys that, that, that could hide that, that could cover that up? Um, like we've seen with other people in, in on other teams. Um, so yeah, I mean, from from an offensive perspective, yeah. Um, but no, I don't know if he'd be the right fit um, because, as I said, you, you still need defense. Um, I I'd pre- probably would prefer if he was being compared to a Clay Thompson. <laughs> so you got a, that, you got that two way ability. Um, but yeah. And, and I think for a while there, I think that's what Brooklyn were hoping Joe Harris was going to turn out to be. Um, but unfortunately, he's just too inconsistent when it pertains to the um, to defensive side of the ball. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know if if he'd be such a good pickup in the draft just purely based on that. So, a couple of things about Desmond Bain um, went to TCU. He's a senior. He's 22 years old, basically, right now. 6'5", wingspan, 6'6", 215, high IQ guard. Who He plays hard, even though his defense is a little suspect. He plays very hard. He already got a veteran skill in most aspects, and he's you know he's going to produce. Well, I'm looking at the Ringers' big board right now, and they say he gives shades of Malcolm Brogdon, Alex Caruso, Lamar Patterson. So, you know, I don't mind Desmond Bain, right? I feel like Desmond Bain would be a good player that we could get with the 27th pick. He averaged 16 – he averaged basically 17 points per game, six rebounds, four assists, 1.5 steals, 45% from – the field, field goal range, 44% from three and 79% from the free throw range. So this kid is going to come out shooting. He, he, he's going to come out shooting. And you know that he brings a skill, which the Knicks need. So if we was to get Desmond Bain, I'd be extremely happy. I think I've heard Spencer Perlman – I've heard somebody compare him to Sean Marion. It might not be him. It might be Tyler Bay. I could be bugging. I, yeah, it was probably Tyler Bay. Excuse me. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind Desmond Bain as well. So, let's get into the next guy. Now, this guy, I was, you know, I've been, I've been high on this guy for a while now. But Jalen Smith from Maryland. Now, yes, I'm the, it, it, it's a couple of reasons why I'm high on Jalen Smith. And first of all, he can shoot the three. That's the first thing. You know Jalen Smith is going to shoot the three. Another thing, Jalen Smith is a tremendous rebounder. He averaged 10.5 rebounds per game. So you know he's going to rebound. You know he's going to give you some shooting. You know that he already brings a skill this guy so 
give talk talk about him real quick. I'm I'm just getting my notes together because I I I got a lot on this. Oh, I got my notes together. Never mind, brother. Let me yeah. let me go real quick. Let me throw some of this stuff at you. So he's six ten with a seven two foot seven two foot wingspan, and he shot thirty seven percent from three as a sophomore, and he shot basically eighty seven threes and made 32, 32 of them. Right. So Jalen Smith. When you look at the leaders, the leaders in rebounds on the big board 2020 draft, he's six on that list, right? So you know he's going to rebound. You know he's going to give you the three-point shot. He's 225 pounds. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. And I, I, I like the profile. I like that we can draft him, mold him into a four. He could play some five. He could play next to Mitch. It's a lot of things that we could do with this kid. So my final thing about him, he averaged averaged 15, basically 16 points per game in 31 minutes per game, 10.5 rebounds, 2.4 blocks, 54% from the field goal range, 37% from three, 75% from free throw range, and he's 20 years old. So – off rip, you know he's gonna be a good shooter, and it indicates by his three point shooting, his free throw shooting. I'm very impressed that a six foot ten guy can shoot that well from free throw. Um, what 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 you got on Jalen Smith, bro? Yeah, well, um, I, I do like him as a prospect. Um, you know, he's a very fluid athlete, very coordinated, uh, runs the floor well and consistently. He gets off the ground well from a standstill as well, I've noticed. Uh, shows shows very nice shooting stroke from outside, so he stretches the floor. Shoots well from mid-range as well. Reliable free-throw shooter, as you mentioned, um, shooting 85% from the foul line. Um, can score inside and out. He finishes well within close but very accurate touch. Um, he knows how to use the glass when appropriate. Um, he was shooting 57.5% from the floor over the Nike YBL um, and 67.5% at the MBPA Top 100. He shows some ability to put the ball on the floor and shoot off the dribble. Solid, very solid passing instincts as well. Uses touch passes on occasion. Um, he's a good offensive rebounder with 2.1 over the Nike YBL season. Reliable cleaning up around the basket, um, spaces the floor and, uh, floor and positions himself well at both ends. And he tends to be in the right place at the right time. He doesn't force his impact. Um, he has good defensive tools and instincts. Very light on his feet for a big man. Um, good timing as, as a shot blocker. He averaged a block per game over the Nike EYBL um, and provides tools and skill set that fit the mold of a modern day big, obviously. Um, just from a, a, a just a touch on his weaknesses, um, obviously, he has a, a lot of room to grow to get stronger, um, especially in his lower body. body. He only weighs around 200 pounds um, and he doesn't currently handle contact very well. Um, has room to expand his post game. Um, he's accurate in the paint, but he doesn't make many moves or counters to get his shot off. And it will be an adjustment, um, obviously, for him when defenders match his size. Um, He's good on the offensive glass when it pertains to rebounds, but he can improve as a rebounder overall. Um, He only averaged 5.6 over the Nike YBL. Um, And I'd like to see him cut down on on his 2.1 turnovers per game 
Um, had a few games with four or five actually um, as well, um, which, which you expect from a young guy. Um, turnovers, uh, you know, are usually in most young guys uh, because they can be very erratic. Uh, so that, that's something that can be honed in. Um, but, I mean, none of his weaknesses are nothing that he can't improve. As I said, like adding a bit of weight, obviously, um, so he can he can handle contact better. Um, and just to, to – as a rebounder as a whole, um, you know, just to get better as a whole and, and add some moves or counter moves to get his shot off in the paint, um, especially when he does come into the NBA and, um, you know, he gets a defender that's going to match his size. He needs to be able to move with his feet. Um, so that that'll add to his game as well. But again, that's something that can that can be taught as well. So I, I think he's a very good big man. Um, another big man that would complement Mitch's game again because he's a shooting big man. Um, great length, great wingspan, um, and yeah, I, I, I do think that the positives obviously outweigh the the weaknesses in his game. Um, the few weaknesses that he does have, as I said, can can be. Um, honed in and can be fixed so uh but from uh he, he's got the he's got the right defensive mindset to get better at that end um and he's got a beautiful offensive game that's um a pretty all-round offensive game is what i like about it uh and, and that obviously will improve even further again um so yeah he would be a good pickup so to piggyback off of you He's fourth in this draft in total blocks. He has 73, right? And another thing about Jalen Smith that is very impressive is he's a good vertical lob threat, and he converted 60% of his two-point attempts. He also lived on the off class, and he was very efficient in the 94th percentile. That goes in what you said about – his off, no offensive rebounding, and he also drew four point eight free throws per game. So that means, you know, he's getting fouls, you know, but he's limited as an offensive creator, and he needs to improve his improve his post arsenal. He was in the thirty eighth percentile. So you is definitely correct on a lot of those things, and I would not mind, you know, Jalen Smith. It sounds like a a. It, it sounds like a Jaron Jackson Jr. type. You know, one of those new age big men. I would love to see the Knicks pick this guy up with the 27th pick. Um, the next guy on our list, you know, this is another guy that me and you had spoke about. And when, when we speak about this guy, he's a polarizing prospect. You know, it's a lot to be said about him. But R.J. Hampton, and I believe that you had the pleasure of watching this young man in person. So I I, I will hand this off to you first. So while you're speaking about R.J. Hampton, I'm going to give you some stats here and there. But I want you to give the fans what you've seen personally over there in the Down Under on R.J. Hampton. Yeah, um, well, he's a, he's a six uh, four hundred and eighty pound point guard slash shooting guard. He can play the one and the two. Um, very good size, very good defense. Um, has has decent quickness up and down the court as well. 
showed good ball handling um, and, and has very strong potential. Uh, uh, tangibles and passing were both fantastic that I could see in, in games. Um, he, he's got a little bit, I wouldn't say he's completely NBA ready just yet. Um, I, I think, you know, he, he might be better off sort of easing him in just for his first season. Uh, just uh, uh, because he's so light as well, I'd, I'd just like him to add some more, some more meat onto him, more weight, um, and, and he could do that over a whole season. He could he could build himself up and then say in his in the second season be ready, be ready for the big time. Um, and his shooting obviously it, it could improve. There was games that his shot was going in beautifully. There was games that. Um, you know, he'd, he'd have good positioning. It just, just wasn't working for him. Um, but, yeah, he's he very good size and length. Um, he's got a 6'7 wingspan and an 8'4 standing reach. Um, as I mentioned, he's very good ball handling. He creates and breaks down the defence off the dribble. Um, very effective use with his crossover uh, and changing direction and speed. Um, he knows how to shift his defender. He can fit in tight spaces, gets where he wants with the ball. Good pick and roll ball handler as well. Uh, doesn't rely on – he, he never relied on triple threat out here. Uh, got to the rim off the dribble in the half court quite, you know, yeah. easily. Um, fearless driver, very good at drawing fouls. So, so very uh, – he was actually quite similar when he, when he drove to the net uh, like RJ. Um, used his body well considering he's still quite light. But um, yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't really bounce off a lot of people, which was a surprise. Um, you know, he, he shot third best, six point six free throws per game over the um, two thousand eighteen season. Shot twelve point three free throws per game over his four games of the Nike YBL in two thousand nineteen, which was the highest of the se- season. Uh, good court vision and, and passing ability. Um, I, I could see him, you know, turning into a Chris Paul in the in with his core vision and passing ability. Um, you you can see. Sure? Uh, are you sure? What's that? Because you know, I see I see RJ Hampton, right, and I see he only average two point four assists per game. Twenty one minutes, basically. Nine points per game, four rebounds per game, one steal per game, forty-one percent from the field goal range, basically thirty percent from three, and basically sixty-eight percent from the free throw line. And when I when I hear you say that RJ Hampton can develop into a Chris Paul type or Rondo type or a guy who could be a lead ball handler, that that well that that's basically. Yeah. So, so what you're basically saying is that if I've got different, I've got different numbers to you. That that's oh, okay. why. Okay, go ahead. Um, he averaged seven point five assists per game in his five games over the Nike YBL in two thousand nineteen, um, which is out, which was over here. And you know, in the game, a couple of games that I seen him, uh, one game he had eight assists, another game he he had eleven assists. Um, it was all dependent on if they were running the off, getting him to run the offense. Is is whether his assist numbers go? When the offense is running through him and he's running the offense, 
Um, he's a bit of an assist machine. Okay. Um, but if, if they're just playing him at shooting guard, just keeping him as a regular shooting guard, not actually running the offense, that's where you were getting the the, the two point, uh, you know, two point three in that okay. assist. But you know, he, his assist numbers were actually quite good. Um, the shooting numbers they they did improve a little bit, but that that's an area that um that that is a weakness that needs to be improved. Um. But he, 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 other than that, he did have a good um, mid-range game and, and, and he could get to the net as well. It's just, yeah, one, once getting, getting sort of um, more towards the three-point line is, is where he was struggling a little bit. Um, but again, that, that's something that could come along. Um, you know, you get him in there with a three-point specialist and, and get, him, get him to shoot, you know, thousand-odd threes, you know, each time. He, he um, is working. You know, that, that with, he, he is working with Mike Miller, so it, yeah, you know, yeah, which which is very yes. good. You know, like someone like him or a, or a Kyle Korver type, or or you know, just somebody like that. Um, but he, he's very great, good athlete as well. Um, he finishes plays above the rim with good body control and attacks with with aggression. Uh, very similar to RJ, I, I thought when he as again when he goes to the rim, quick off the ground and a very quick first step. Um, he handles the ball very well at high speed um, and gets going downhill, blows by the defence with his speed, can lead and finish in transition, um, has very good defensive tools with his length and quickness, uh, will lock in and pick the ball handler on, on occasions, but I, I would like to see that become a little bit more consistent. But um, yeah, a few times I, I saw him lie and he was locked in. Um, yeah, he was locked in for the whole game. Uh, he anticipates and covers a lot of ground, jumping passing lanes. He averaged... Uh, nearly two steals per game at the under-16 America Championships in 2017. He averaged um, 1.5 steals per game at the under-17 World Cup in over uh, 2018 and then averaged 2.1 steals per game over the Under Armour Association in 2018. Um, he averaged uh, anywhere from two to three steals per game over his five games of the Nike EYBL in 2019, he blocks shot and he blocks shots well for a guard uh, because of his jump. Uh, like he's he's another one of those kids you look at and, and just think he's been he's been built or born with um, springs in his feet. He, he's got very good spring. Um, but yeah, okay. Now working on his weaknesses and and you did bring up his shot. Um, obviously, he can work on his shot selection because he does have that settle. He tends to settle for deep. Um, contested shots at times when he when he is shooting from deep. His shooting um, is what I would call his shooting is straight ass. <laughs> yeah, it is. As I said, the only the only place he was he was uh, half decent, and as I said, that could also be improved. But he was half decent is, is from the mid range. Um, but you know he, he doesn't show much of a, of a floater. Um, he did have a little bit of a pull up, but I'd like to see him develop that more. Um, but he, he, he generally doesn't add many points in that area. Um, could improve, obviously, as a three-point shooter because he only shot 33.5% um, over his Under Armour Association 018. He only shot 26.9% over his game in the Nike YB. Yeah, it's the three-point shot that was really killing him. Um He's a high volume, he was a high volume shooter. Uh, he could improve his efficiency. He took 22 shots per game and shot uh, 41% field goal percentage over his five games. Um, 
in 2019, which isn't good oh, for a guard. No. Um, he took 19.5 took 19 game over the um, Underarm Association in 2018, and he can prove he could improve his finishing tactic. Uh, yeah, that was a bit flaky sometimes. Can get more movement when playing off the ball. And obviously, that, that could come from when he gets stronger, like physically stronger, um, as I said, because he's still quite uh, light in the weight department. Um, and his decision-making as a ball handler um, needs improvement. He only averaged... Uh, he averaged... And, and, and the turnover. Turnovers is big because he averaged the third most with 4.9 turnovers per, per game over the Under Armour Association. Um, the thing I do appreciate about him, though, and, and when he does make a mistake, is he wears his emotions and his heart on his sleeve. Um, at, at times, it, 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 I suppose it, it, it comes hmm. out in the wrong way. Um, he, he, like, for example, he, he wanted a foul called after missed layup. And he, he, you know, he'll argue a lot of calls uh, all the time. Um, you know, so I, I think he needs to sort of snap that out of his game a little bit uh, because the refs in the NBA hey, aren't going to cop that. See how um, was getting the, the ref- Jesus Christ. Yeah, the, the refs, yeah, the refs out here, um, you know, they were a little bit more lenient with him. Um, but yeah, there was a few times that he got himself into foul trouble just because he was arguing. Um, so, yeah, as I said, he, he's he's young and he's he's got a bit of work to do. And I don't think he's NBA ready straight away. I, I think he's one that if we were to get him, he might play in Westchester possibly for a lot of the time in his first year. Uh, and uh, before I'd bring him up into the NBA, I, I want to see that three-point and uh, mid-range percentage, uh, you know, bump up um, until it does. Uh, he's pretty much a very similar player to RJ Barrett, but RJ's ahead of him in a lot of skill areas. Um, like I, I personally think RJ, for example, is a better decision maker. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though RJ's shot it, it hasn't fully come around yet, I do think there is more times compared to RJ Hampton that RJ Barrett um, will take a better shot. You know, like the the, the better place shot um, or the higher higher percentage shot he, he would take. So um, that's something I think needs to be improved. Um, so right now, as I said, not NBA ready. Um, and I wouldn't probably have him on the court at the same time as RJ just because of the similarities. I, I'd, I'd play him with somebody. I, I'd, at the moment, I'd play him with someone who can obviously mm-hmm. shoot from the three and then but has the passing vision to say if he cuts in and fought, you can find him and he makes it to the rim. So um, it'd be good to have him say come off, you know, if we needed him in some games, because obviously you'd want to give him a, a few games in his first season up in the top grade, you know, bring him in, bring him off the bench, run him with the second unit type thing, give him that experience. But yeah, I, I do I do like him as a prospect. I just think he's going to take a little bit of time in the same sort of uh, sort of mould as a bowl bowl, where I think he's going to turn into a very good basketball player. Um, he just needs a little bit of work and a little bit of time um, to, to to get him around to being NBA, NBA so, ready. You know, you know, good one about RJ Hampton. That was a good one. 
So this next guy was a guy. Now I had to I had to go do my research because when you when you sent this guy, I was like, okay, uh, you know, I, I watched a couple of their games. I, I'm a little impressed, but Josh Green. Mm. At first, I was like, eh, I, I, I don't really know. So, you know, you got you to gotta watch it. You got to watch a couple games. Go uh, ahead. Uh, just, just from a, a looks mm-hmm. perspective, so Knicks Nation, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's like he plays like um, Kevin Knox at all. But from a looks perspective and his hair and everything, it's he's Australian version of Kevin Knox. <laughs> oh, man. You know, oh man, you know how Nick, Nick Nation is not feeling Kevin Knox right now. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so nah. Josh Green, you know, I watched a couple of Arizona games, rewatched them actually. You know, I had to go back. Kid played a little. Kid, kid played well. I, I, I you know, I'm kind of impressed with him. You know, six foot six, two hundred ten pounds, average twelve points, two point six assists, four point six rebounds, seventy eight percent from the free throw line, forty two percent field goal range, thirty six percent from three. So, you know, when you when you talk about a guy like Josh Green, it's a couple of things that I liked about Josh Green, and it's a couple of things that I read up about about Josh Green that I really like. So, Josh Green, in his one season at Arizona, he shot 36% from beyond the, beyond the arc on 2.8 attempts per game. And additionally, Green's three-point shooting improved as the season went. In Arizona, last 15 games, Green shot basically 40, 39.5% from downtown on 2.5 attempts per game compared to the 33% on three attempts per game in his first 15 games. So he improved on that as the season went. And then you go into the advanced shooting, right? Because we know the Knicks need shooting. He ranked in the 67th percentile in spot-up shooting. He ranked in 60th percentile on catch-and-shoot trades. And another interesting note is that Green ranked in the 84th percentile in unguarded catch-and-shoot plays and in the 5th percentile on guarded catch-and-shoot plays. Clearly, he got to improve his shooting when a guy got a hand in his face, but you know if he's open, he might make the shot. So another thing about Josh Green, Josh Green ranked in the 82nd percentile in transition offense, so he was very well in that area. We need fast-break buckets, right? Go ahead. And and, and he, he, uh, j- this is a, a big statistic and improvement for me. He improved his free throw percentage from 59% to 79%. And it, that, that's very impressive. Mm. That's, a, that's, a, that's a 20% jump. Uh, so that's very, very good. Very impressive. And he, when, you, when you say stuff like that and then bring it back to transition, he was shooting 61%. So he's getting the easy buckets and he's going to the free throw line, right? And he's making them. And then you talk about his defense. So, you know, he got good size. He got good athleticism, you know. In the past season, Green ranked 
sixth in the Pac-12 in steals per game with one po- with one point five. He also ranked fourth in defensive box plus minus, which was at four point one, and that's very impressive. So I like Josh Green. I like the profile. He he does have some deficiencies, and when it talks about you know his shot, forty two percent from the field, his true shooting percentage was which was fifty three percent, not too great, you know. But I I can see the fit with him on this roster. Uh, the, the main concern, yeah. The, yeah, the the biggest concern though is he was twelve. He was in the twelfth percentile in shots around the basket at thirty seven percent on attempts at the rim. So he was disgusting in that area and he has to improve. And another concern, finally, before I let you go, green shot ranked only in the 34th percentile. He only made 29 of 98% of his jump shots, which was 30% basically from the field. So I'm confident that he'll improve. You know, he's still only 19, but he can improve. So, yeah. Go ahead. And the thing I like about him is, um, you know, he was, he was elite defender um, who, who led Arizona in steals per game. Um, he has an absolute picturesque frame for NBA shooting guard um, with a freakish for a guard. Uh, this is a guard, a freakish 6'10 wingspan, <laughs> um, which I absolutely love. Um, he had, had the ability to take over the point guard role when Nick Mannion um, wasn't in the game, um, had good ball handling, excellent vision. Um, he was above average facilitator. Um, and as you said, like, he brings that three-point shooting around, and, and, and which I think he's got the ability to do. Um, I, I think he could turn into a great knockdown three-point shooter. Um, he sees the floor well, knows where to be for an extra pass and a knockdown shot, a uh, smart player who will pass up a three for a better shot for himself as he attempts to develop a better three-point shot. Um, great rebounder and outlet passer. Um, as I said, 1.6 per uh, steals per game. Ability to guard multiple positions, which was, you know, he, he could guard the one, the two, the three, and up to the four. Um a extremely athletic player um, who, who was played at the three and the four um, at, at times. Versatile player who, who could um, not only become the knockdown three-point shooter, but a pass-first pass point guard or playmaking slasher, depending on the team's needs. Um, great composure and confidence on and off the court. Uh, I, I mentioned he's, he's improved free throws. So he, he has very high potential with all of the traits to be an, an elite NBA player. Um, again, 19. Um, so it, 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 he could easily improve in, in the areas that he needs to improve. Um, he, he just needs to be more consistent uh, with, with his three-point and, and uh, work on his three-point game. Um, I noticed that was a slight weakness. Uh, but I, I think he, from what I could see, I think that that could come along. Um, and, he, and he does a lot of things really well. Um, he just uh, just needs to – certain areas of his game on the offensive level um, needs to be improved. Um, he can be an impulsive defender at times. Um, I think that might just come because of youth. Um, a, lot of, a lot of young guys can be very impulsive, um, so that can get him into foul trouble. But, um, you know, as we know, as they train and, 
they, they get more um, games under their belt that, that they can sort of, that's just a little kink that can be worked out of someone's game. Um, you know, there's always room for him to improve as a ball handler. Um, he tends to get past defenders with his speed and athleticism rather than um, creating space off the dribble. So I, I would like to see him um, focus a little bit on that just so he can create some space um, off the dribble there. And he, I'd like to see him attack to the left a little more often than I did. Like he, he did it more than I've seen other players that strictly stick to the right. Uh, but I would like to see him go left a little bit more. Um, and sometimes he plays a little too unselfish when he could make a larger impact. Um, he's a real team guy. Um, so that, that, that can, with what I just said, then it, that can be a good thing and it can be a slight negative against him um, because he's so unselfish. But um, yeah, I, I think, and I, and I said on the last podcast, I think he would be a fantastic pickup. Um, I, I think he is ahead a little bit more NBA ready than RJ mm-hmm. Hampton. Um, but I, I think, as I said, just the little niggles in his game that need to be improved is something that you expect in a young guy. And I, I think can be, they're, they're things that I can see improving anyway. Um, and he's very got a very good motor. I'll just touch on lastly, he had a very good motor. Uh, I sort of saw him in a, in a um, uh, if I was to compare him to, to a couple of people, like a, mm. a Cali Oubre, uh, maybe a bit better than a Cali Oubre type, but a sort of similar game. Um, but I could see him producing at a, at a, at a more higher level than Cali Oubre, um, you know, given a few years in the, in the league with the right coaching. Um, but yeah, very, very good. And I, I love the, the wingspan for a guard. Like that, that definitely is freaky. Six, six, ten wingspan. Um, you no, don't see no, you that don't. too often. So, next on our list, we got, we got a couple more to go. Um, Sadiq Bay. <laughs> this guy is slow as hell. Let me, let me, let me start that off. He is not fast at all. He reminds me of Barrett. Barrett runs slow as hell. Um, he reminds me of Barrett in that department. But as far as Sadiq Bay is concerned, we know he averaged six, 16 points per game, 4.7 rebounds per game, 2.4 assists per game, 0.8 steals, 48% field goal percentage, and 45% from three, and 77% from free throw range. That is some great numbers. And when we talk about when we talk about guys like Sadiq Bay, about the prototypical three and D wing, he is one of those guys that you would definitely love on your team. And he was named first team all big east and was given the Julius Irving Award and accolade given to the top small forward in college. So he definitely you know, got better. And also, ridiculous shooting from, from from this guy. At one point last season, he was up to about 45% from three, 63% true shooting, 38 assists on 20 turnovers, and he was definitely building a case for a first-round pick early in the season, early on Villanova, early on Villanova. So, I love the two-way ability. 
I love that Sadiq Bay had some sneaky passing skills. And I also love that he comes from he, he comes from Villanova, bro. He comes from a tough program, hard nose. He comes from a winning program, and he comes from tough coaching. So when we're looking at guys, you know, you, we got to note that Tom Thibodeau is the coach. You're going to need guys who is mentally tough, mentally strong, and is going to work hard. And I feel like just from where he's being drafted from, bro, I feel like Sadiq Bey would be an excellent pick if we was to trade up in the draft. Um, you know, just you know, to grab another wing if we trade Kevin Knox and we pick up like a Kyra Lewis with the eighth pick. But it, he's very intriguing, and you know, I, I'm hoping the Knicks get him one of those workouts. But what you got? What you got on um, Sadiq Bey, brother? Yeah, um, he's an interesting pick. Uh, like you mentioned, his, his numbers, um, there's, there's a little bit of improvement there. And he, and he did improve uh, in certain areas. Um, he's got uh, – he's, he's very scrappy, uh, confident, high energy forward. Um, you know, he broke out uh, last season into one of the most productive players in the Big East. Um, outstanding three-point shooter. Uh on a hot, very high volume of shots, too, for, for uh, his position, too. Uh, elite catch-and-shoot perimeter player. Very high motor, which is, excuse me, which is something that we lacked in, in Knox. Um, he, he's very versatile player with, with the size to play um, the small forward position at the next level. Um, as, as you mentioned, 6'8", 216 pound. He's got a near seven-foot wingspan. A uh, bit of an overachiever. Uh, it was it was two way player who stood out on both sides of the ball. Um, knocked down shooter from both the mid range and beyond the arc. Held his own in limited post opportunities. Uh, strong and determined defender who, who could successfully defend the twos, threes, and college fours. Uh, so if he was to add a little bit more weight, you, you, you could put him for a small periods of time at the field. Uh, very physical at both. Uh, both ends of the court. He'd done a very good job of playing deliberate. And when he sees an open look, there's no hesitation. The shot is going up, uh, which is good, which is what you want from a shooter. Uh, quick release, which allowed him to get up uncontested threes before help defenders could arrive. Strength, size and length allow him to take advantage of mismatches against smaller guards uh, due to his height. Showcases um, he, he showcased above average handles for someone his size. Uh, gives... Absolutely relentless effort um, whenever he is in the game. Uh, while it's not his specialty, um, he is able to create for others around him, uh, surprisingly enough. And I saw him do that a few times in games. Um, he's a respectable free throw shooter. Um, that, that'll only improve. He takes care of the ball and, and passes quite well for a forward, um, almost up to two assists. Uh, and was one of the best in the nation among the forwards. Um, probably one of his glaring weaknesses, uh, you touched on it, was he's limited athletically and he, he's not the quickest person on the court. Um, he gets the most out of his abilities, but some feel that he may have peaked to some degree developmentally. Um, he lack, lacks great fluidity. He's not the greatest run-slash-jump run athlete. 
Um, has he peaked to some degree in the athleticism department? Possibly. Um, can create shots for others, but he does struggle at times to create his own shot. Uh, again, that's an area, though, that, that, that could be improved. Uh, while his shot was very consistent and effective, um, it is a bit flat and he may struggle to extend it out to the NBA three and get it off against higher-level athletes consistently. Um, plays good defence, but doesn't force as many turnovers as he probably should. Um, obviously, with, with uh, being a bit of a slow runner, he lacks an explosive first step, so he can't get to by defenders with a, with a quick first step. Um, and, and just one common criticism of him is that he's a bit too willing to give the ball up instead of taking defenders on. Uh, 6'8", small forward at the college level. Um, he'd, um, he should have been a much better rebounder than he was. Uh, one of the oldest small forwards in this year's class. Um, he, turning 20, he, he turned 21 in April. Um, and I don't think he's a pure shooter. Uh, you know, while he hit three-point shots at an elite rate, um, you know, 45%, and he's 76% free-throw shooting, it's not it's not elite, though. Um, but it's serviceable, and you always need role guys. And I think Sadiq Bey would be, will turn out to be a great role guy in the NBA. I, I don't think he's, he's a superstar, but a role guy, yeah. And as I said, you always need role guys. It's funny when you when you talk about Sadiq Bay. We always need role players, man. Frank Nelikina, shout outs to Frank Nelikina. Um, real quick, uh, we got we because we got three more. So real quick, um, Jaden McDaniel, a guy that you know I always bring him up. I spoke about him a lot on a previous podcast. That I had, and the just the the, the things that I like about Jaden McDaniels basically is he's a six foot ten, you know, small forward. He averaged thirteen points per game, six rebounds, one point four blocks. You know, huge wingspan, seven foot wingspan. He's about two hundred um two hundred pounds. The deficiencies, though, he shot 41% from the field because he shot a lot of guard-like shots, step-back jumpers, pull-up jumpers. Um, he got that in his bag. He has advanced handling for his size, um, his his length, scoring potential, the ball handling skills, like I said, athleticism, and his defensive potential is good. He's good in transition. He, he, he got good scoring potential, especially in transition. He's a fluid athlete, runs the lanes. He finds the lanes well. Just like I said, his, his handle is advanced for his size. Love to hang dribbles. You know, he got a good variety of dribbles. He loves the pull-up shot, pull-up jumper, and that is a skill you definitely need in today's NBA. So he can use his length. You know, he's 6'10". And he shot 34% from three on 4.1 attempts per game. And even though it's inconsistent, he was confident with that shot. So that's something that you like to see. And also he averaged 1.18 points per possession in the 83rd percentile on catch-and-shoot shots. So that's the area he's going to improve. You know, the catch-and-shoot area, he's going to improve his – 
defensive versatility, he's going to improve. He averaged 1.4. Got the length to block shots. Um, he got length to shoot. Got length to score. We love him at the 27th pick. Um, any, anything else on Jaden McDaniels before we get into his final two? Because these final two, I, I love both of these guards. But any, anything, any last thing for Jaden McDaniels before we get to the final two? Um, yeah, uh, another, int- again, another interesting pot, uh, prospect. Um, he was, he was former highly touted high school recruit, um, modern day face up front court player with a budding perimeter skill set. Um, long stride in that sleep, good body control, footwork, ability to run the floor, cover ground. He covers ground well. Um, he physically, of course, fits the bill of the positionless NBA standard, uh, Six foot ten, great length, seven foot two wingspan, uh, and skill potential. Uh, he likes to pull up off the dribble from fifteen to twenty feet. Shows glimpses of the ability to make perimeter jump shots from three point range too. Uh, quick and high shot release that could become a consistent weapon and more repet- re- more repetition in the practice gym. Uh, plays with finesse and occasionally makes tough plays look very easy and effortless on the court at both ends. He's a very adequate rebounder. Did all right on the glass for a guy that often played at the top of a primarily zone defense in college. Uh, no doubt teams will like that his physical skill allow him to potentially defend, defend multiple positions on the court effectively. Um, though this is something that would be a work in progress with him. Uh, pretty decent timing as a weak side shot blocker. Uh, classic boom or bust type prospect, I, I really feel, with, with Jaden McDaniels. Um, but it is important to remember he will only be 20 um, as a rookie with plenty of time to grow physically and polish his skill set. Uh, shot a decent 77% from the free throw line, uh, which only heightens the claims of his potential and natural ability as a shooter. I actually do think that he could turn into a pure shooter. Um Probably has one of the highest ceilings of any player in this draft. Has intriguing scoring shooting ability, um, especially if he can improve upon his shot selection and his, and his strength. Um, but, I mean, all those things considered, yeah, he's a very raw prospect. I'd even put him in the raw prospect mould of a bowl bowl. But um, like bowl bowl, the talent's there to, to have the patience to work with him and, and – uh, and and see what the final product is because um, yeah I think whoever gets Jaden yep. McDaniel's is isn't going to be disappointed in in probably three give I, I give him about three years a good three years and and he'll be yeah, he's he'll be there really, he'll be he'll be ready to he's go got, um, he's going to be really really good <laughs> he's one of those prospects you yeah. look at five years from now like what the what the hell. I, I would love to pick him up with that 27 pick. I swear I would. So, and, no. and, it, and, it, and you couldn't go wrong. That, that, that's what I mean. You couldn't go wrong with him. Um, or, as I said, or, I, I don't think he's ready just yet, but you give him a couple of seasons under his belt um, and give him time to, to develop his skill set and, and just um, and put that weight on, build up the muscle. Um, he, he's going to be a bit of a force to be reckoned with. Um, I I really believe it's the same thing I believe with Bowl Bowl, and I still believe it with Bowl Bowl. Um, another mm-hmm. another season or two, and and I think um he's going to 
he's going to he's going to come out on onto the NBA scene and just light it on fire um, from both ends because I, I saw what Bol Bol, you know, just just in bursts what he was doing in college before the injury, and um, I was very excited for a prospect and and just sitting there imagining to myself, you know, uh, with, with Hunt, you know, full health, a couple couple seasons under his belt, what this could could be or become. Um, yeah. I, I have I, that same sort of feeling with McDaniels. One of them in the one of them in the draft. It's cool though. So the next prospect, huh? Oh, if Denver ever wants, if if Denver ever gave up on him and 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 oh, got rid man. of him or just released him, I'd be happy to take him for sure. <laughs> man, man, I was up, man. <laughs> oh man. I just think it'd be a dream scenario uh, having having Bol Bol, oh, Mitch, and McDaniel's so, all at the, the same. Next prospect you're going to talk about. <laughs> I, I, I personally love this. Guy. I would love if the Knicks could get this guy, especially at 27 or if they trade up a little bit. But Tyrell Terry, woo, that boy, that boy. He, I, I, I love Tyrell Terry. One of my favorite prospects in the draft. Um, he was one of five Pac-12 freshmen since 93 to average, 14 points plus, four rebounds plus, three assists plus, while having a true shooting percentage north of 55%. The other four was James Harden, O.J. Mayo, Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball. So we know this kid is going to be successful. What I love about the kid is the shooting. Shooting, his shooting from everywhere is either excellent, is either is one average, everything else is excellent, very well, good, very good. Pick and roll ball handler, very good. Transition, very yeah. good. He, he it basically, so pick and roll ball handler, 77% um, percentile. Transition, 71st percentile. Spot up, 61st percentile. On uh, His lowest percentile was on the dribble handles at 46% where he ranked. The off the screen, 95 percentile. Cutting, 79 percentile. Isolation baskets by himself, 73 percentile. So he was excellent literally everywhere on the floor. On spot up, no dribble threes. On spot up, just no dribble threes. He shot 42 percent on those, 16 for 38. He was he was amazing on guarded shots, unguarded shots. He was both in, in, in the 90 percentile in the half court in both of those type of shots. His dribble, his dribble jumper in the half court, he ranked in the 50 percentile. Still, still okay. That's all jump shots off the dribble, and he was excellent at three point jump shots in the 90 percentile, and. In short jump shots, he was in the 62 percentile. So this kid is this kid is a dynamic shooter, right? He has a lot of tools in his toolbox, and you just look at the resume: won three straight titles in high school at De La Salle High School in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, Pac-12 All Freshman Team. 2019, 2020, uh, three-time Pac-Man 12, Pac-Man, 
Pack well, Pack in. <laughs> Three time Pack Twelve Freshman of the Week. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> Led the Pack Twelve in free throw percentage. Uh, placed in the top ten in Pack Twelve, Pack Twelve in three point field goals, true shooting percentage, defensive rating, win shares, defensive win shares, and win shares per forty. He made four three point field goals in a single. Contest six times last season, scored 20 points in a single contest nine times over the course of his freshman season. This kid was great in a lot of areas, but he was extremely impressive with his offense. We know the defense has some concerns, but he also grew in size. He's 6'3 now. Uh, I think they said 175 pounds, but he's a great prospect. We need to look at. And I would love this guy on the Knicks. He gives me, you know, the Damian Lillard mold. You know, one of those guys who could pull up from anywhere, probably set up an offense if you want him to. Well, go ahead. I'll see if you agree with, with this. They're, they're, a lot of them are touting him as a natural shooter and playmaker with shades of Steph Curry oh, and Trey Young so in his game. There you go. <laughs> and I, I, I'm impressed by this kid. What, yeah. what you got to say for him, and then we go and get to the. Um, it. Uh, well, I I don't really have anything to add. Like you, you pretty much gave all the positives out there. Um, about him. Um, the the only thing I, I will say, and this is what we've just got to watch with him. Um, is he's a late bloomer physically. Um, he's one of the most intriguing intriguing prospect uh, projects in this year's draft. Um, despite. You know, possibly jumping the gun on a pro career. He has one of the highest ceilings of any point guard in this year's draft, depending on how his body develops. He, he could definitely become a standout in the NBA. Um, he is currently only 165 pounds. Um, he has extremely thin legs and underwhelming overall body strength at, at, at the moment. Um, he did grow in height. Um but underdeveloped body likely means he's a few years away from being NBA ready, um, and especially from a defensive standpoint. That that's that's where the the defense his defense will pick up as he adds body weight. I, I personally think um, lack of body strength hurts him as he struggles when he faces physical opponents and he can get knocked off balance on drives and knocked knocked around a bit. Um, so he'll have to improve his core and leg strength. Um, that that really pretty much is his biggest obstacle. Um, you know, some some players have a tough time adding and carrying muscle mass, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of gains he can make. Um, you know, he, he he only turned 20 on September 28th, so he, he's not a young freshman. Um, he can get up and dunk the ball on breakaways, but he generally plays below the rim. Um, granted, ball skills and shooting are more important long-term for point guards than athleticism. Um, struggles sometimes to finish plays around the rim due to his lack of leg strength and explosiveness. But again, that that could also be worked out as he gets bigger and adds muscle mass. Um, yeah, so he's it, just very small at the moment. So that, I can see from an NBA-ready standpoint, body-wise, he's not there yet. Um, I'd be a little bit a little bit worried. But in saying that, I did think the exact same thing of De'Aaron Fox in his first year, and he handled getting bumped around quite fine. And then as, what, his second, third year came along, he's 
you can see in his body, he's actually added muscle mass. So, you know, if he takes that same sort of approach, you know, gradually adding, you know, getting bigger body wise as De'Aaron Fox, I think he should be, he should be fine. And that will also help with him um, when he wants to go to the rim as well as on the defensive end. Cause I, I noticed as De'Aaron Fox, I knew he had the defensive qualities, but as he got more weight and more retain more muscle mass, he was able to defend better because he wasn't just getting knocked over. Um, you know, and, and there is a lot of players, even, even though, I mean, Kevin Durant, you look at Kevin Durant's <laughs> legs, they're like sticks, mate. Like you, you look at them and, and, and you think, geez, you know, you just, you could go up and snap them like, t-. so, and he's quite a tall guy. So, you know, having real skinny legs as basketball is not, you know, it's not uncommon. So I'd, I'd just like to see him, as I said, get up to maybe about the, the hundred and, 75 to 185 range uh, for his height. Um, if he's not going to get bigger than six three, um, I think what Dame Lillard, I think who's, uh, I think's about six two six three. He sits about 190. So you know, if he if he could get up to the 180 mark, it, it'd be nice. Um, and and that'll come obviously as he as he gets into NBA training and uh, develops his body ready and gets his body ready because he, he's still growing even at 20. So. He's still got a little bit of time there to, to be able to do that. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, which is only really a minor thing, um, yeah, I, I think he's one of the better point guards in the uh, in the draft. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't put him ahead of, you know, a Lamella or anything just yet. But, um, you know, depending on coaching and development and that, he could give himself every possibility to end up being the better yeah, player I, I in the end of it. Tyro, Tyro. He got a lot of... Got a lot of game, got a lot of game in his bag, man. I would not be mad with Tyrell Terry. Um, exactly. Finally, uh, Carol Lewis. The yes, the talk of the town at the moment. <laughs> I, I said this a couple pods ago. I said I did not want Carol Lewis. I said this on record. I remember when I said it too. I will say this about Carol Lewis. If the Knicks pick him at eight, I would not be mad. The reason I wouldn't be mad is because of the developmental staff we have here, the coach we have here, the type of guards that I believe Tibbs love, and the type of player that, you know, people has been talking about Carol Lewis. First thing that come off the charts is his speed. Um, we had no speed in the backcourt last season. Frank Lilakina is slow as hell. Uh, it reminds me a bit of De'Aaron yes. Fox with and, his, from a speed you perspective. Know, we would add a whole new dynamic into the backcourt. Now, I will say this about Kara Lewis as well, as far as us taking him at eight. I'm telling you right now, bro. I do not want him Frank Lilakina. And I'm going to be very pissed off with it. it and when I say Frank Nilakina, you know what I'm talking about, bro. I'm talking about yeah. DMPs, yeah. Yeah. this, I'm going to play him 19 minutes the first half, play him two minutes the second half. I don't want to see that shit no more. I'm over that. So that I don't want to see. I want to see this kid get at least 25 minutes per game, at least. And I don't want to hear – and this is for 
everybody else. I wouldn't be mad if the Knicks pick him. I was, I'm going to stand uh, Kara Lewis. And I hope that he becomes a superstar point guard because that's what I feel about all my draft picks when they get drafted here. And then I get to see him for two seasons and I kind of get the chance to see if they could become that guy. I don't see it yet with nobody on our roster yeah. yet. When I say, when, as far as RJ Barrett is concerned, I love RJ Barrett. I don't view him as a Batman. I don't view him as a Robin. I view him as a Green Lantern. A guy, he like like he has his own planet. He, 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 go ahead. Well, this is who. This mm-hmm. is who they're comparing Kira Lewis to. It's actually quite funny. Kira Lewis, they're comparing to Shea Gilgis Alexander, but with De'Aaron Fox's speed. See the Kool Aid being drunk or being drunk, real smooth when it comes to this Kira Lewis topic and. As far as Kieran Lewis is concerned, it is noted that the Knicks definitely had dinner with Kieran Lewis in Miami. And I, I just want to know, how are you feeling about Kieran Lewis? Like, like, does this mean that he's our draft pick? What, 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 what are we doing? I, 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 I'm like... I like him as a prospect, and I, and I do like him for the eight, um, especially with the comparison I, I just gave then, which is which is crazy. It's like Shea Gilgis, but with De'Aaron Fox's speed, um, in the sense of having the long limbs and the length like Shea Gilgis, um, which is going to come in very handy defensively, um, uh, similar to a Frank Nidlakina in that as well. Uh, but then you know having the foot speed. Um, of the De'Aaron Fox, um, and and he 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 was developing a very nice um, mid-range game. Obviously, the the, the area of his shooting, he, I'd like to see him work on and get it up over forty percent. Is from three. It's not far off. It's at thirty-seven percent from three. Um, but I would like to see that over forty. Obviously, um, he he shows tenacity, hustle, great motor. Um. You know, does an excellent job of driving and dishing. Uh, it's very similar to a De'Aaron Fox again or, or a Shea Gilgis. They both, they like to drive and dish as well. Um, has the ability to force the defence to react and collapse and finds open teammates well on the move. Um, shows the ability to extend drives with his Euro step. Very steady performer. Um, sc- scored in double digits in all but two games. Um, so he, he can score. He can score. Uh, considering his lack of strength, he's a very solid rebounder at, at 4.9 per game. Uh, for, a, for a guard, that's, that's quite good. Uh, that's nearly, mm-hmm. you know, younger Russell Westbrook type, type stuff there. Um, you know, he, he's, um, what was six 6'6 wingspan. That was two years ago. Um, he got measured for that. So there's a chance he's gotten an inch or two longer since. Um very good athlete who, who routinely finishes breakaways with dunks. Um, and while he increased his scoring from his freshman year, his big jump in productivity came as a playmaker as he upped his assists from uh, mm. 3.1 to 5.5. So that's a that's a really good jump as well. Um, and he's an efficient shooter-scorer from all three levels. As I said, I'd just like to see that, that uh, 3% Go, you know, percentage go up, which it will, which it will. Um, 
So I, I actually like him. As I said, I, I see him, you know, from from a body perspective, in the same sort of build as a Shay Gilgis, uh, with the foot speed of a Darren Fox, and then he's got, um, you know, his own his own skill set there. Uh, could end up being a very good playmaker and could turn into a very good perimeter shooter. So, um, yeah, I like him for the pick. I, I, as I said, I, he's young enough to, to that he's uh, still got room for improvement and development, which is another bonus um, from where his skill is at the moment. Um, and yeah, um, I'll be quite impressed with us if we can if we can if he's still on the board and we get him at eight. Then yeah, I think it'll be a, a good pick. Um, if we're not going to move up in the from the eighth pick, oh, I think uh, picking him to run the point, um, or as I said, uh, be under a Chris Paul if we bring him in, uh, you know, initially, and he can learn from Chris Paul. Um, yeah, Honestly, you, you couldn't go wrong with Kira Lewis. I actually do like him. Do you really want Chris Paul if we draft Kira Lewis? Because I don't really think I want Chris Paul if we draft Kira Lewis. I think I want a guy tear lower. I, I, I think I, the only the only reason I'm being selfish. I think I want Kara Lewis to start. I think I don't even want to want him to wait. Okay, okay. How about this? I just thought of another idea: Kara Lewis to start, and we bring in Fred Van Fleet to come off to run the bench. Well. Some people say that, but a lot of people say his game fits perfectly behind. But he backing also up Kyle Lowry. He, he also so, plays well beside Kyle. Lowry. I'd, I'd not. I'd, he does too. So I mean, you could do that in games, but I, I would definitely be looking at him to lead the second unit more often than not. Because I, I, I don't. I still don't. I, I love him as a player. And I think he's a great role guy, but I, I've never sort of viewed him as the starting point guard. Um, well, a starting point guard that can come in and start if, if you need him to. Um, but like you said, you could even run him at shooting guard if you wanted to run him in the, in the same time. I, I just think it'd be he'd be a handy player to have, um, you know, to come in as a, in the backup point guard role that, that could come into the starting side when needed. You sort of like what they do yes. with him in Toronto anyway, if you, if you just used him in the similar sort of role. Um, because he, he'd even pair well off the bench. Like you have him running the point and Frank at shooting guard off the bench. Yeah. See, that pairing would Frank be perfect because see, Fred can shoot. That's tough. That's tough. Because I love Frank Nolakina. It wouldn't be a – and it, see, that wouldn't be a bad – that wouldn't be a bad backcourt coming off your bench. Because you'd have a defensive shooting guard in Frank, and then you'd have Fred Van Fleet running the offense for the second unit, and then add Demarcus oh, Cousin in that see, second unit with those two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building. Oh, I'm man. building. I'm build, I'm building a playoff You're team here. <laughs> we got shot of named yeah, shooters, I mean, and I we've got defense. Boom. I think. It's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna be tough because I'm not gonna be mad if we pick Aaron Lewis. I'm I'm really not gonna be mad. I I, I think we got ten prospects in. If we didn't, I believe that we were supposed to um speak about Zeke um Zeke Zeke Nanji, but 
I think we could just save that for the next part. I think the next part we could just go right into talking about it, and then we just go into the usual subject subjects. Um, and and just a, another uh-huh. another bit on um going back to Tara, Terry, on some draft boards I've wow. even got him going as high as yeah, so- yeah, yeah. I've seen him at I've seen him at twelfth. Um, he has gone up the draft on a lot of draft boards uh, and a lot of mock drafts. He's actually moved up the board. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him go by the 15th pick. So somewhere somewhere in between, say, so the 10th pick and the 15th pick, I think that's where he'll go. It's going to be very interesting. It's going, it's, it's going to be a lot of, lot of fireworks this draft. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to – go ahead. But the – and just just before you continue, my, my way of thinking at the moment is with all the noise linking Kira Lewis with us, if we do choose Kira Lewis, then yeah, I think I think someone else will obviously go after Terry Very then because I don't think so, we'll be needing Terry if we get Kira Lewis. And because they they seem pretty c- close on the draft boards, I couldn't see. Yeah, since Lewis has risen on the draft board, I couldn't see him falling back down uh, to no, where we'd be picking so. at 27. Um, so That's crazy. It, it, it's crazy how we was first talking about LaMelo Ball. And... Yo, what's up, man? It's your boy, State. And, you know, Anchor only let you record for about two hours. Me and my guy, Mr. Mitchell, we was chopping it up. Great conversation. Love you, Nick Nation, for everything. Um, Next episode, I believe we missed a draft prospect. So we definitely going to talk about one more. Um, We got into everything. Hope you love the podcast. I hope you love listening to what me and my guy from down under got to say. Nick Nation, I'm out of here. It's your boy, Slizzy. State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode 114. Shout-outs to my guy, Mr. Mitchell, from down under. And shout-outs to everybody around the world that be listening to State of the New York Knicks podcast. I'm out of here. Peace.